This is episode 20. You're listening to the All Hazards Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes to give you exclusive access to emergency managers who've been on the front lines of some of the nation's most difficult challenges. Where we have candid conversations about the challenges facing all emergency managers, no matter how big or small the community. Here's your host, Sean Boyd. Public health plays an important role in all kinds of disaster scenarios, but have you ever considered the health implications of a nuclear incident? Think of the impact on the environment, you know, ag and the food supply. Today we sit down with the public health officer from San Luis Obispo County during our short break from a large exercise, simulating a nuclear plume release at Diablo Canyon. She'll address those impacts and how their county and the state, in fact, are planning for the worst. She'll also talk about some of the most pressing health concerns in California right now. All right, we are sitting here with Penny Bornstein, who is the San Luis Obispo County Health Officer. We're here at the Diablo Canyon Nuclear Ingestion Pathway exercise. And uh, Penny, we're here because we're being tested. Uh, You're being tested, Cal OES is being tested, a lot of us are being tested. Um, to make sure that we respond appropriately and that we are knowledgeable in how we should respond should an event happen at Diablo Canyon. Uh, how are things going for you today so far? Um, really well. This is a great opportunity for us to be involved in a nuclear drill that goes beyond the first phase. Um, this only happens like once every 10 years. Uh, the county tests every two years our ability to respond to a radiation exposure. But here today, and, and for the last couple of days, the county has been involved in what would the longer term look like. And that's where we in public health um, are typically involved in emergency events that are not as quick as some other types of events. Right, and this, uh, this uh, nuclear um, test, this exercise that we're going through, Um, What are some of the key issues that uh, the Department of Public Health has in the event of the scenario that is playing out now? And maybe you start with the scenario and then tell us what some of the concerns and things that you're addressing would be. Mm -hmm. So um, in the immediate aftermath of a nuclear uh, exposure to populations, we deal with the evacuation of populations, the messaging to the public, um, about uh, exposure to food and leaving animals perhaps uh, behind and things of that nature. At this point, we are looking at what the one-year, two-year exposure possibilities are for the population, um, really getting into the possibility of foodborne exposure, water, milk, um, uh, crops, etc. And so... Um, you know, again, that's taking the longer view and um, working with a number of federal and state partners, as well as other counties, on those types of issues. So, um, uh, foodborne exposure. We're talking about crops, things like uh, lettuce and anything that we m- may consume. And how do you even begin to approach uh, mitigation issues and, and and other health issues? How do you even begin? Mm. How do you even know where to start? So we rely very heavily on radiation experts from the federal government and the state government 
who are very good at assessing um, longer term risks um, based on modeling. Mm. So they do some actual sampling of on the ground sampling okay. um, and then project that out over a period of time and what, what the average person might be exposed to and then make you know public health and safety decisions on that basis. Now, in, in, uh, just for the, the lay person, someone who doesn't know anything about uh, this type of um, incident, uh, how would you guys put out a notice and say you can either wash your food or you have to get it from somewhere else? What would the public need to know? Mm-hmm. So um, we would be working very closely with the agriculture commissioner and um, and again federal and state resources to not provide access to the public of those crops or, yeah. or livestock or milk that we thought was potentially tainted. So those deliveries wouldn't even be made. Right. Okay. That yeah, we would we would take a very precautious and preventive um, approach to not giving access. Uh, to the general public, to products that are potentially at risk. Um, I I would want to add, however, um, that in such an event, there'd be an abundance of precaution. And um, so folks who are concerned about even being physically in an environment where such an event has happened, um, we really are looking at the, the you know, ingesting products, the, the, the being physically in that environment after the radiation has dispersed is really not um, a major concern. Okay, so what is the level of exposure that we're talking about right now for this exercise in particular? Are we talking about a widespread uh, event or more localized? Um, it's very localized. So the, the, the modeling that has been done um, really is only potentially affecting, you know, a couple of thousand people and businesses uh, in terms of the, the area of the county that would be affected. At so we're not point. talking about something like Fukushima, which was huge. Right, right. right. Emergency managers who are um, not as schooled perhaps in the biologic um, types of emergencies that we are schooled in uh, tend to, in in the absence of information, fear what they don't know, and I think we are all like that. Um, radiation is a very scary thing. Um, on the other hand, I would want the public and emergency managers to know that we are exposed to radiation every day, and so um, I think we tend to think that any radiation exposure um, is a potential disaster, but um, to remind folks that we're talking about a, a little bit of additive um, dosing. Right. So this isn't, I mean, uh, when you're talking about exposure to radiation every day, we're talking about, you know, from the sun, talking about uh, lying next to someone in bed even gives you a little bit more exposure. Right. Right? Airplane, uh, um, medical use of MRIs and CAT scans right. and um, just background from the earth. Interesting. So. Yeah. So get the facts, understand, don't panic, and uh, go from there. Yeah. Right? So what are some of the hot topics right now in San Luis Obispo County with regard to public health? I think that one of our greatest concerns is the emergence of antibiotic resistance. Oh, yeah. The, Um, The killer bug out there that 
can't be taken down by our current crop of medications. That's right. Um, I think it is a, a major public health concern um, that we are starting to see the effects of in certain areas. Such as? Um, so one that folks don't like to talk about that much, but um, we are down to the last possible treatment uh, for gonorrhea. Really? And that is one of the more common diseases that we see in public health amongst all the diseases that are reportable. Um, sexually transmitted diseases far and away are on the top of the number scale. Um, so that's an example. Some other ones that are you know, very serious, um, hospital-based infections where um, we as a nation have run through two or three or four generations of really strong antibiotics and beginning to see the occasional case where nothing that we have currently available will treat the infection. Wow. So when you go to the hospital, we know that some people go in uh, expecting to be treated for one thing, and they leave possibly being infected with something else. And right now you're saying that it's getting harder and harder to treat those infections. Yeah, there are... I'm, there are some secondary infections that are common um, that are treatable, and there, there could be the occasional uh, infection that one would pick up in the hospital that is of a type that is becoming harder to treat. So we've also heard that doctors uh, are partly to blame. Uh, each and every one of us has our own responsibility to be knowledgeable and not take antibiotics when we don't need to, but uh, so what, what is your thought on that? Um, absolutely. This has been something on my radar for my entire career as a practicing pediatrician. I used to have patients, um, families who would get very upset if I didn't prescribe antibiotics. But I always had a public health bent and tried to explain how this is going to hurt us in the long term. Um, most illnesses are caused by viruses. We don't have good treatment for that. And if we throw antibiotics at things that um, for which it, it, it will be ineffective, um, we're doing a disservice to our population. So yeah, I mean, what is the point? Why would a, why would a physician prescribe, let's say, uh, an antibiotic for a virus, because we know it doesn't affect it, right? Uh, so there are many things, patients, there are many conditions in which patients come to the doctor and the doctor cannot distinguish if it's a virus or bacteria. Okay. One example is eye infection or pink eye conjunctivitis. Mm. Um, lots of eye drops of antibacterial mm. medication are given out because um, the patient wants relief. And doctors tend to be responsive to their patient's desires and demands. Um, and, uh, you know, I think we are really getting the message out now to the medical community at large um, that we need to be much more cautious about our use of antibiotics. The other place that we use antibiotics um, quite a bit that potentially has an effect is in our food mm -hmm. system. Yeah, yeah. And, and we're seeing more of a push now because of, I think, consumer demand that they don't want biot uh, antibiotics uh, in their meats. They don't want it in their milk, mm -hmm. those kinds of things. So is that is that a, a proactive approach from the food industry or is it a reaction to the consumer demand or is it a little? Oh, both? certainly both. Okay. Yeah. All right. 
So I would add, in addition to the you know um, emerging antibiotic resistance, the other uh, half the shoe is the emergence of new types of organisms, and. Um, Zika virus is an example. That's obviously something we're dealing with. It is relatively new in um, biological circles, whereas, you know, things like smallpox and um, other kinds of meningitis, yeah, maybe. go back. Those things go back centuries, millennia. Mm. Um, the first case of identified Zika was in the 1940s, and so when I say it's new, that's quite new in the history of humankind. Um, and so, lest anyone think from my prior statements that only bacteria are the really scary things, um, viruses, especially uh, any, any virus, we don't have good treatment for. Um, but new viruses are especially challenging because most people are not immune. And so it can spread quickly and have devastating consequences, as we're seeing. So are a lot of these uh, new to uh, the United States, or are they new in general to the world? Yeah, well, in the example I mentioned, Zika is relatively new to the world. There have been spotty outbreaks um, in recent decades, but only now are we seeing the epidemic spread in the entire southern hemisphere. Wow, wow. Now, we don't want to panic everybody, but in terms of being prepared, um, emergency managers, first responders, they have to be knowledgeable as to what's going on out there right? Um, other public health agencies obviously are getting the same memos you guys are, I would, I would hope. Yes. And so this is all on the, uh, the radar of public agencies uh, around the country. Um, what is your recommendation then to um, uh, these agencies similar to yours um, that may be something that, that you've noticed that, that would be beneficial for them to know? So in general terms, um, I have been involved in many emergency situations where the public health tempo, if you will, is different than our traditional first responders. Um, and I think that sometimes works against public health's bringing their expertise to the table because our more traditional first responders are used to lights and sirens, for lack of a better way of saying that. Um, you know, there's a fire, there's an earthquake, there's a flood they get on it and handle it whereas in the world of biology or chemistry even um, and especially with new um, issues new new vectors new um, organisms uh, the science doesn't move at the same pace and so it sometimes feels and appears as if public health is being indecisive or um, dallying until, but but we really do often need to look at a problem over a longer time frame and and really get solid information before providing guidance. At the same time, everyone is awaiting what do I do today? So that is a real challenge for us in public health for the public messaging as well as um, working with emergency responders who are used to having definitive answers. Um, and I think we have been working very closely together now over 10, 20 years and, and really starting to understand each other's industries and, and, and put that um, uh, understanding into play. Here in California, we have a big problem right now, as you know, with drought. How is the drought affecting San Luis Obispo County and what has your department done to respond to that? 
Mm-hmm. Drought is a very serious problem in our county. Uh, we are one of the counties that has been living in extreme drought for five years now. Um, it has a number of effects in environmental health concerns. Uh, when there is less water in the aquifers, um, potential contaminants are not as diluted and therefore um, we may see higher levels. Never thought of, of it that of, way. Of um, toxins. It also, we're seeing effects of um, when rains do come, it is washing off more um, potentially harmful products that have been laying around for a longer period of time into our waterways. Um, we also see more valley fever um, when the rain comes, which is a spore that lives in the soil um, and gets kind of activated and after what does a that period do, of rain. What does that do to the human being? So that is a respiratory illness that can cause pneumonia and in rare cases can cause m- more devastating effects throughout the body. Um, are you seeing that now? We are seeing right. that. We are seeing large increase in coxie or valley fever, as it's called. Um, adequacy of water is definitely becoming an issue in some areas and so um, both businesses and individuals are drilling deeper to get at the water. Um, Our county is very dependent on groundwater as opposed to other sources of water and um, we and when the the digging is deeper there's the opportunity for bigger problems for penetrating aquifers that are of lower water quality Um, and there's a huge expense and there's the possibility that we um, are drawing more water than the land can actually sustain we were out at lake kachuma yesterday you guys don't rely on lake kachuma as much as let's say santa barbara county does right yeah i don't believe that we um, in our county have any um, water from lake kachuma right okay looking forward the next several months to the next year or two do you have any concerns with the drought lasting that long and its effects on your county um yeah i i I don't think there's any way to really predict the uh, the future of this drought or future droughts but i do believe that uh, climate effects are real and that um, even if today or tomorrow or this year um, can't be directly attributable to that effect, I think that we will continually see greater effects from warming, um, which has effects on our our water availability. It has effects on vector control, some of the things that I've been mentioning. And I don't mean to sound catastrophic or alarmist, but Mm -hmm. I do think that um, it is a significant public health issue that we need to be paying attention to. Well, having been out at Lake Achuma yesterday and seeing how low not only it is now, but how long it's been this low, um, I was looking at highways that hadn't been ex- that, that hadn't been seen in since the 90s, early 90s. Uh, the old highway that goes through that area was exposed, and it and it's been that low for several years, seven years, I believe. If water doesn't come soon and often, I'm like you. I think we are looking at serious health consequences 
all of the, the biological repercussions. Had no idea. Had no idea. This is shedding light, I think, on something that really needs to be talked about more often. Um, are you finding that people are uh, responsive or do they just think maybe you are alarmist when you bring these issues up in a public forum? Um, it's an area of potential controversy. Yeah. I think the majority of the public is tuned in and concerned. They're certainly concerned about their water supply. I, we are continuously trying to get people to understand that beyond water, there are a number of different public health consequences of warming, um, whether it's the movement north of a particular mosquito type, um, or as I said, the you know lack of dilutional effect on toxins. Um, there's just any number of things. I mean, the heat itself, the um, algal blooms in our waterways. Um, there's, uh, you know, 15 pages worth of things that I could probably mention related to public health effects of, of climate change. And I think people are genuinely beginning to, to pay attention. Our county has done a tremendous job, both individuals, businesses, um, county government, in really cutting back on water use. Um, it's a new day. You n can no longer run the water while washing dishes at the sink. I, I, I go to my family in New York, and I just hear the water running in my sister's sink, and I think, what are you doing? Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. But um, I think we in California really get that, that it, it's a new day. Yeah, it is for us, for sure. And uh, I, I think over the last few years, the public messaging has been critical in getting people to change their habits, to understand that it's not just us sounding the alarm at Cal OES or at the county levels, that there really needs to be a mind change, a mindset change, and a lifestyle change uh, for not only our generation, but our kids' generations and, and all of them afterward. We don't know if this is ever going to change or not. This could be the so-called new norm. And looking at that lake, I just, I, I hope we get rain and snowpack and the runoff that we need to get back to what we used to consider as being normal, but still maintain that, that, that healthy change of habit of, you know, conserving water. I think we definitely need to do that. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about? No, I really appreciate okay. the opportunity to talk with you and the public on these really important matters. So Dr. Penny Borenstein, who is the San Luis Obispo County Public Health Officer, thanks again for dropping by our little corner of the room here at the, uh, the exercises for Diablo Canyon. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bet. Okay, going back to the Zika topic, we'll have more on that thread over the coming weeks and months. And we suspect it'll be on everyone's radar for some time to come. Remember, one of the problems with Zika is that most people are not immune to it. Thanks for listening. We hope you'll subscribe if you haven't already. Whether you're a PC or a Mac, an iOS or an Android, you can listen no matter what the platform and no matter where you are. Thanks again, folks. I'm Sean Boyd in Sacramento. Take care and be safe. You've been listening to the Cal OES All Hazards Podcast. Don't forget to check out our podcast page where you can find past episodes along with show notes and links. And give us a social shout out. Tell others about us on Twitter and Facebook 
and let us know what you think. We'd love to hear from you.